welcome to Benevolence, where kindness matters and all are welcome to the table. I'm your host, Ceci Diaz. And first and foremost, I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting me on this Benevolence podcast journey. I pray that as you tune in every week, you are empowered, blessed, and encouraged to be the best version of yourself. You are tuning into episode three, Girl on a Mission. On this episode of Benevolence, I have a very special person joining me at the table to discuss her story in regard to missions and how God calls each and every one of us to task on the task of the Great Commission. Every believer is held accountable to this task. While some reach out to those that they encounter on their, in their daily lives, others are called to go beyond the walls of our great nation and carry on the word of Jesus to others in their countries. Now, my special guest is truly special because not only is she and her family called to expand the kingdom in other countries, but I've had the privilege and honor of being her English teacher for her sophomore year in high school. As her teacher, I already knew that she would do great things. Not only was she an excellent student, she is a beautiful person inside and out. She has always been a girl who can brighten up anyone's day. She is a faithful friend and she exemplifies light wherever, wherever she goes. So without further ado, I have... Lydia Liz Rivera joining me at the table today. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Lydia Liz. So I was telling you in the car mm-hmm. um, that I was like, I've had this whole missions concept mm-hmm. since like season one. And I'm, but I didn't want to bring just anyone. Like, I just did not want to bring just anyone. And I was like, okay, who do I bring? Who do I bring? And then season two, I told you, I was like, I had my eye on you because you were in Southeastern. And then I was just, you know, just following you and seeing all the missions trips that you, you know, that you, that you attend or you go to. And then also you coming back from Ecuador and stuff like that. And then season three happened. I was like, okay, okay. She's getting more involved in school and all of that. And then I was like, season four, we have to have Lydia Lise <laughs> up on Benevolence. So I just want to thank you for joining me at the table. Thank you for inviting me at the table. Of course. So before we begin, let's go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, like Sassy said, my name is Lydia Lise Rivera. I am 19 years old. Um, I'm a sophomore right now at Southeastern University studying psychology with intercultural studies, which is basically missions. Um, my family and I were missionaries, and I, I, I love the opportunity to be able to be here and share about missions, share what's on my heart, and share what's, what, what's on God's heart. So I'm very, very happy to be here. That's awesome. Amen. So let's just go straight into it. Um, basically, this episode is all about you. Oh. <laughs> we just want to know what's your, what was your upbringing like. Tell us a little bit about your family and how God has called you and your family to become missionaries. Well, my family, I grew up in a Christian home all my life. My Actually, the call, the missionary call, started with my mom when she was 14 years old. Um, the Lord called her to be a missionary. She had me. She then married my stepfather, and she had my little brother. And when I was 14 years old... The Lord was giving me visions about moving to Ecuador because after she married my father, we'd go to Ecuador every summer and we'd do mission trips. So instead of my summer vacation, it'd be my summer mission yeah. trip <laughs> with my family and we'd do um, ministry there. But when I was 14, the Lord kept revealing to me that he wanted more. So I was actually um, just a small vessel to kind of remind my family that God was wanting everything. Um, and we were scared, obviously, for financial stability. But when the Lord calls, you have to listen. Yes. So when I was 14, we started preparing to move to Ecuador for two years. 
at 15, um, it happened, we moved, and um, yeah, that's when we really went all in, when we really saw like the, the fruit of our obedience, and now we just, we pray that we are still like giving more like doors to be able to share what God did there and what God is still doing there. So, so I guess my first question to you um, would be, your, it's a generational calling, yes. but when did you personally feel it yourself? When I was 14. When the Lord started like really revealing himself to me in that way and why, like the importance and the urgency of going on a mission trip, not missions, just trip, but like to live in the field, I really felt very convicted. I felt so convicted because I had gone on mission trips since I was eight years old. But it wasn't until I was 14 where I really saw the Lord reveal himself to me and his heart and the reason why he wanted me to go. So a lot of our listeners don't really know what that what missions is. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody out there, you know, who's possibly not a believer, mm-hmm. has no idea. But if you can explain a little bit what being a missionary like entails, what is it about? You can be a missionary anywhere. You can be a missionary in your community. But the mission of God is just to make disciples. It's to let people know that there is a God and that they that, that God loves that person and wants relation with that person, wants a relationship with that person. And that's our mission. It's just to make disciples, um, to just share Jesus. That's basically like to simplify it. It's not very complicated. To simplify it, it's just to talk about Jesus, share Jesus, and make people understand that you can have a relationship with him. So... In the missionary aspect, obviously yes. there's people that live in all different all parts the of place. the world. Yes. Okay. And then where is your family residing right now? My family is now living in Guayaquil, Ecuador. And is it like a permanent residency or is it just temporarily? Right now they have decided to just stay there until God tells them to leave. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah. They just opened a children's shelter for kids who are undergoing chemo and families in crisis. So if the family is going through either emotional crisis, financial crisis, they stay at our shelter. And we're able to uplift them, um, not just spiritually, but also um, give them some financial help. So once they leave, they'll be able to go back into the real world again, a little bit more stable. Okay, and then, like, where where does the financial support come from, well, to be honest? first of all, God. <laughs> yes. Um, um, but also, we've partnered with many churches, and I think that my mom has done a really good job at expanding her connections. She's very connected. Um, she knows a lot of people who have the same heart, same vision, and my mom's a Facebook queen. Yes. She uses Facebook as a way to be able to ex- to expand what's going like what's going on. And social media is a great way to show exactly what God is doing because um, people are connected that way. And yeah, you just have to be able to be a little bit more modern to kind of go with what people are doing right now and expand what you're doing okay. through those social like media outposts. Awesome. So let's just get right to it. So where are some places that you have visited? Okay, so I've actually written down a list because <laughs> from the top of my memory, I cannot tell you that. But these are just a few. I've been to Bolivia, Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, Panama, Peru, Mexico, Turkey, Italy, Greece, Malta, and the Bahamas. Wow. Yes. So all of Latin America, pretty much. Almost. Central, South America, yes, pretty almost. much. That's awesome. And then what were some of like the biggest adjustments and challenges you had to make when you started living in Ecuador? Because... You moved to Ecuador for two years. Yes. Um, so was that like the big move for you? It was. It was It was pretty big. Okay. It was a big change. Okay. So 
what were the biggest adjustments and also what were the challenges for that move? Okay, so I was born in Puerto Rico, but my Spanish, I lived in Florida the majority of my life. And although I would speak Spanish in my house, it wasn't as common. It wasn't... So my Spanish was definitely an adjustment. Yeah. It was a challenge. Um, the first few months, it was very hard for me to pray in Spanish because I was very um, shy about it, very scared mm-hmm. about it. But that broke. Um, little by little, I was able to like obviously adjust to speaking in Spanish and being more comfortable and then being confident in it. Um, but obviously, the adjustment in itself was just going to a new place. Um, the culture is obviously different. The first months, like the first two months, I had to adjust to not like being away from my family, being away from my friends. Um, and I had to learn to be alone sometimes because I was always very connected here in Florida. Yes. But over there, I was brand new. I didn't know many people. So I had to learn how to be okay with being alone. Yeah. I feel like that was very important for me. Wow. And what about your family? What What were the biggest adjust- adjustments for them? Because I know that your father's from there. Yes. So was it easier for him? Was it more difficult for him? It was more difficult. Really? For him because even though he had he was born there, he had left when he was 18 years old. Okay. And he's in his 50s now. So mm. he was like 40 years living here. Um it was the hardest for him actually, I think. So he would complain a lot about the driving. Okay. Because here in Florida people are everyone's not a perfect driver, mm-hmm. but it was more calm, it was more um controlled. In Ecuador, every it's it's insane. Driving over there is insane. My little brother did have a difficult time at the beginning. He was only around 10, 9. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very difficult age. But he was also able to adjust. Um, we got him into a little group with kids, so he was also like able to make friends. I think at that age is just being able to be socially like like socially okay, socially yeah. open. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was our only concern. But and, he did how- very well. How was, like, his Spanish and all of that? My brother's Spanish. Because <laughs> I know, like, yes. I remember before he left, you know. He was so shy. <laughs> he actually, like, just because of the culture in itself, like, his Spanish has gotten better. And, like, he's this crazy, eccentric, Spanish-speaking little kid. Oh, my goodness. Yes, he's changed so much. So I honestly believe that, like, living in Ecuador has really helped him. That's awesome. Yeah. So Ecuador... um, First of all, I want to go for many reasons, but I would just, this is just like a side note. Have you been to like the middle of, like they say, the, the earth, world? The world. Yes, yeah. I have. That's okay. in Quito. You okay. step on the line on the equator and you're, step, you're standing on the middle of the world. That's pretty crazy. It's insane. That's like, I think that's one of the many reasons I want to go to Ecuador. It's insane. So that's awesome. So my next question is, what do you miss what did you miss? Because obviously you're back for school. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that transition from living in the States to um, Ecuador, what did you miss most from America while you were on the field? Well, I definitely have to say my friends. Um, it was very hard. These were friends that I had grown up with. We were basically sisters, brothers. It was it was very tough for me to leave them. But it was incredible to see how they supported my call, supported the reason why God was calling me. Also, my family, my grandparents were here, my cousins. It was very difficult to be able to leave them because some of them don't really understand the call. So Mm -hmm. that was even harder. But definitely friends and family. And my home church. Leaving my home church was very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for someone who doesn't understand the call, what is the best way to show them that? Like To show them God? Yeah, to show them, to get them to understand what you're called for 
So like you just said that, you know, you had many family members that didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Do they understand now? Are they still are they still wondering? I mean, your parents are back in Ecuador now. Mm-hmm. Do they see the fruits now with what your parents are, with the orphanage that's there and all of that? I do believe that for people to understand the call, I think that there needs to be people who live in the call and they observe. People see. Mm-hmm. Like, people see the fruit. And I do believe that they've become more open to it. Um, with time, like, they have seen the beauty in missions. They've seen the work we've put in. They've seen the people who have come to Christ. And at the same time, like, not everybody understands it if they don't want to. Like, if you actually don't want to take the time to open up your mind and open up, like, your horizon and your mentality on why people have specific callings, then I don't think you'll ever be able to receive because there's always somebody to observe. There's always somebody doing something. So I yeah. think it also has to come from them, whether they want to be able to understand or not. That's good. So my next question is, mm-hmm. what do you miss most from Ecuador? <laughs> um, so you're in America. Well, I'm sure there's yes. things that you miss from about Ecuador. So, what so are those currently things? I'm also, I'm definitely missing my parents, my little brother. Yes. Um, it is very hard um, to live by myself without my family. So I definitely miss them. I miss the food. They okay. have incredible food. Their seafood is bomb. Oh my goodness. I love Ecuadorian food. Um, I also miss the sights. Um, there are mountains. The temperatures in the country is pretty. It's pretty. It's not so crazy hot mm-hmm. um, during this time. And there's this beautiful city called Cuenca. That's my city. Yeah? That's my city. So and I definitely miss the sights. Where do you guys people. live? We live in Guayaquil. Okay. Yeah, it's so kind of like me, the... It's like, like a mini New York. Oh, oh okay. So it yeah. has... It's like city, city It's central, life. yeah. Okay. So tell me about Ecuador. Tell me about it. What, what, it, What is it like? What is it like living there? How is it different from the United States? Okay, we've got variety. In one country, we have mountains. Another, we have oceans. Another, we have like Monte. Like it's... Mm-hmm. it's it, there's so much variety. Um, Ecuador is beautiful. It's a beautiful country with eccentric people, with busy people. If you go to Guayaquil, the people there, it's like it's like New York. People are fast-paced. They move fast. They're focused on work. It's it's very like that. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Quito, it's more... Um, that's the capital. It's very calm. It's The accent's very different. If you go to Cuenca, there's a variety of people, a lot of them from Spain, from Europe. A lot of them come... Um, they're, like the, they're like the Indians of like the, the indigenous. It's... It's beautiful. Cuenca is one of my favorite cities in the entire world. If you go to the, there's a jungle. If you go to the jungle, you'll see the indigenous. Um, I've actually had the opportunity of being able to go to the jungle a few times and evangelize. Wow. And that was incredible. Like you'd talk to Indian tribe leaders about Jesus and they would accept the Lord. Wow. And it was beautiful. Like Ecuador has, has it all. Ecuador has it all. That's beautiful. Yeah. So... How do people in your country view America? Well, actually, they only know really what they see in movies, mm-hmm. what they hear about America. So to them, it's like kind of like this paradise, like all my opportunities, all the doors will happen if I go to the America. That's kind of like their view of America. Okay. Yeah. And then what are some cultural differences or barriers that you have had to overcome? Well, if you are um, not... Latino and you go to a Latin speaking country, you're gonna have the your barrier is going to be the language. Yeah. Um so it definitely be language. 
um, sometimes it's culture. Sometimes, even if you do know Spanish, sometimes there's some words that you can't say over there because mm-hmm. it's not culturally no, yeah, for okay. Sure. <laughs> um, trust me, I've made that mistake a few times unknowingly. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> yes. Especially when you're preaching. You have to be very careful oh with how, yes, goodness. with the words you choose um, because the cultures are different. Yeah. The meanings are different. So it'd definitely be a language barrier. It'd be a um, food barrier, like not a barrier, but it'd just be like a huge adjustment. Like mm-hmm. you'd, it's very different. The food's very different, and they more they more lean into the seafood because it's surrounded by ocean. So they more lean into seafood and things like that. So that'd be like the cultural differences and things like that. Yeah. So when you got there, did they call you like la gringa? They or, did call yeah? me la gringa because that's just. They called me La Gringa. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I've had to deal with it, but I, I enjoyed it. You yeah. know, I thought it was funny. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, my next question is, what is the best part about being a missionary? The people you get to meet and seeing Jesus move. I think when you truly accept like why you're there and where you are and why God called you, God like aligns these people in your life that are just meant to be there. And I've met so many children, so many families who have come to Christ because of my obedience. So I think like the best part of being a missionary is seeing the fruit of your obedience, the fruit of like what, why you're there and like seeing, just seeing God move. I feel like that's just like the one thing I really have to say, just seeing God move, like seeing God personally in other people, like reveal himself to other people. Wow. That's the best part. What are some of the of your big goals and desires for your future ministry? Well, so be honest, girl. <laughs> well, right now, well, my big goal is to finish studying. I'm studying psychology. I'm a sophomore um, at Southeastern. But my big goal is to graduate. Obviously, that's my declaration. Mm-hmm. Um, get my master's as well. Um, I would love to counsel pastors and counsel missionaries in the field. I think that's very important. I think we forget that pastors and um, missionaries need counseling. It's another step. Sometimes even missionaries forget that they're they're able and they're willing and they should be willing to receive some counsel and some help. Um, and yeah, my my goal is also to get married, <laughs> have kids. Yeah. That's my, you know, that's my goal. And yeah, maybe open a shelter somewhere in Latin America for children, for families. The same as my family, but somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. Do you have an idea of where you would want to go or not really? I I know I want to do something in Africa. Okay. I would love to go to Africa. I really feel um, in my heart to go one day. But I also feel a little, um, like, push towards Guatemala. Guatemala. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what's in Guatemala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. All right. So, <laughs> what part of missionary work do you enjoy the most? Like I said, the people you connect with. It's the people you meet. Like, there's, if you go on a mission trip or if you're living in the field, like, your priority has to be, like, loving people. Like, truly, intentionally connecting with people. And that should be, like, your heart's desire. Because if you're just going there to go and not actually connecting, it's, you've wasted time. Yeah. You've wasted so much time. Yeah. You're, like, you're talking to me and I'm, like, in my mind, because I'm not going to lie, like, Whenever it's, like, missions week at church or whenever, like, I don't know, I see a video here and there, like, my heart, like, stirs up stirs up a little bit. And mm-hmm. I, like, start getting teary-eyed and I'm like, oh, my God, like, what am I doing here? 
like I, I just start to think about like what I'm doing now, you know, and I'm like, mm -hmm. what am I doing? Like, there's more to do. There's more like there's places that, you know, we need to go. And and that's good. You feel that if you didn't feel that I'd be worried. Yeah, because you're supposed to be stirred up when it comes to this. Like you're supposed to feel that urgency. You're supposed to feel I need to do more. There's more people who need to hear. There's more people who need to be saved. Yeah. And that like if you don't feel that, then you should be concerned. Yeah. So okay, I'm glad so, you do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you do. All right. So tell us a funny story about something that has happened to you in one of your <laughs> missions trips or something. Okay. So if you guys don't know me, I have weak ankles. I have a problem <laughs> with falling. Um, so I've pretty much fallen in every country I've been in one way or the other. One of my recent funny stories, I was walking in Argentina with one of my friends. We were on a mission trip with SEU, and I was walking with him, and I was walking with my other friend, and we were just talking, having a conversation. But in my defense, we were walking in a sidewalk in Argentina, and the sidewalks, they're made of bricks, so they're very unstable. Some parts are chipped off. You know, mm -hmm. that's my defense. Um, I was walking with my boots. I was talking to this person, and out of nowhere, the person no longer hears me. It's because I am flat out oh on the floor in Argentina. <laughs> like, for me, it wasn't funny. Like, it's become, like, the normal for me. But obviously, for everybody, it's mm -hmm. hilarious. Um, another story was um, on that same trip, we also went to Uruguay. And at the family, the family we were staying with, they had a farm. And they had a lamb that was actually sick. And I prayed for it. And the next morning, we woke up, and it was dead. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was dead. So Uruguay now knows me. They actually fear me because I am the woman who prays for an animal, and they don't let me pray for people anymore. No um, way. <laughs> I prayed for the lamb, and it died. Um, but, you know, that was God's will. He mm -hmm. took it up, and I, I believe that. I believe that he's healed somewhere. Yes. Um, he he's no longer suffering. <laughs> he's no longer suffering. Oh my goodness. And then what is your most treasured memory? Okay, if I think recently, well, I have, I have a, obviously like so many years working in missions. I, I have way too many, but recently there's this story about, um, I went to Chile and I met a little boy named Martin and I went to his church and I was giving children church, um, like Sunday school to these kids. We were talking about David and Goliath and he was just so into it. Like he was He was so into the story. He was living it out. He was crying. He was asking the Lord for, like, strength. And he was only, like, seven, eight years old. Oh, my goodness. After the service, after I give um, the class, he, goes, he comes up to me, and he has a list of questions he'd written down about missions and why I was doing it. And he told me, how old were you when God told you to be a missionary? And this kid's only eight years mm -hmm. old. And he's asking me all these questions, and he, at the end he goes, I want to be a missionary. Wow. And I think that's one of my most treasured memories. It's seeing, like, my urgency be, like, passed into somebody else's. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that it's come to a point where, like, my most treasured memories is just seeing other people accept it. Like, accept the call as well. I think that. But Martin really changed my life. And this is, from, this is in Chile. This is in Chile, yeah. Wow, amazing. Yeah. So, um, what advice would you give somebody who felt that God is maybe leading him or her to become a, a foreign ministry? Min, uh, oh my God, I was going to say ministry. Foreign <laughs> missionary. Because 
you know, we live our lives and we have to, like, even in the United States, everything that we do in our life, we have to have, like, the Great Commission in our mind, always. Mm-hmm. You know, at work, I'm a high school teacher, so I have to, like, show the light, you know, although I can't really talk about Christ like mm-hmm. that as directly as I would like to, you know, I have to show Christ and, you know, the church, they do their event of evangelizing and all of that. But if someone is specifically called, like they feel that they're called, they're being called to foreign ministry, meaning outside the United mm-hmm. States, you know, what advice would you give them for this new journey or this new call? First, open up your heart and be willing like, if God is truly calling you and you know and you feel convicted, be obedient. Like, that's your first step. Mm-hmm. So then once you accept it in your heart and you go, okay, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to go. Where do you want to send me? Once you take that step of, like, that leap of faith, I think that little by little, I feel like the Lord will slowly, like, begin to show you exactly what you need to be doing. But, um, so I'd say be obedient is the first step. Like, accept it. Um, also, it'd be... Prepare yourself spiritually, prepare yourself mentally, emotionally, and financially. The number one reason why missionaries leave the field beforehand is because they did not prepare financially or because their help or support has finished. So you have to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D, and a plan all the way to Z, Mm -hmm. and include numbers if you need to. But um, be prepared and also like be excited about it because missions is exciting. It's a journey. It's an adventure. But also be prepared. Be very prepared. Um, and yeah, go in on the journey. Be obedient and have fun. The Lord is fun. Like serving God is fun. Yeah. So keep that mentality. Keep that mentality. It's not a burden. Your call is not a burden. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. And when you're blessed, that you're called to bless other people. That's awesome. That's so awesome, Lydia. So it's not here, but... I know that I was I was supposed to go on a missions trip years ago because I, I felt like I, there was a missions trip to China and I've always had this tug like to go to China, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember I took some classes to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And then it never happened for some reason. But I remember that a lot of people in that China trip that went... Because it was the finances, I think that that was like the number one reason. Mm-hmm. When they returned, they needed like a post therapy. They needed, they needed like something else, like a debriefing when they came back. And 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 I'm saying this because I feel like when when you have that experience in another country and you come back to the United States, I feel like it changes everything. Mm-hmm. So. Did you have to go through that? Did When you went to your first missions trip and you saw how different it was, when you came back, did you feel, I don't know, some people fall into depression after, mm-hmm. some people are longing to go back, some people don't want to do this. And I remember that that particular group that I had and I was supposed to go with, to China, when they came back, like they were like, they needed help. They needed therapy because it was so different. Mm-hmm. And I guess from that moment, I guess that's probably why I never went on a missions trip because I'm so afraid of the coming back. So I wanted to ask you, like, on your first missions trip, or maybe you were a kid, mm-hmm. maybe it's different, but what trip was was like that? Like, when you came back, you were like, oh, like, I think your heart, you felt so heavy burdened mm-hmm. and, 
you know, thank God you probably didn't fall into depression. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is that I'm sure that there's a process to coming back, like yes. a post process. Do you recall having those types of issues when you returned from a particular country? Definitely. Now, the last trip I just did, it was to five countries. It was a 35-day trip with my team from SEU. We saw so much. We saw so much from children um, being tied down to gang violence, um, children in prisons. We went to different ministries. Our hearts, when we came back, we did feel like this burden. We didn't want to come back. Like, yeah. We did not want to come back because when I say that like missions is just missions is just so beautiful missions is so beautiful and when we came back obviously like our hearts were still there Mm -hmm. and we came back to like this place of stillness when we were like every day we were doing so much meeting going to different places meeting different people talking about Jesus it was constant it was it became our normal like it became the norm in our lives like waking up praying for people in the middle of the sidewalk in the middle of the road like it became the normal and then coming back to a place of stillness it it did burden us and it it was very hard but it motivated us this is where you have to be careful because when you come back you have to be prepared for coming back yes but you cannot let that burden that you have and that's i think that's a spiritual burden it can Mm -hmm. be like a it can even be a holy burden yeah but it cannot be this weight that you carry it just has to be this motivation like it has to motivate you okay now i'm back now i need to take that holy spirit fire that i had with me on that trip and bring it back to my community bring it back to my church and i think that if you have that burden you have to use it mm-hmm. you have to use it like you can't you can't just seep in it and you can't ignore it like you have to dwell in it, but in a healthy, happy, holy way. Yeah. And you have to be motivated. Like it has to motivate you to do more. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've never been on a mission trip before. Oh, I'm taking you with me. I'm I, taking you with I me. Honestly, I have not. I have never been on a mission trip before. I prepared myself because um, my church had, um, it's called Listos para Salir. Para Salir. Listos mm-hmm. para sal- Salir. Mm-hmm. And I did, like, the whole eight-week course. You know, I'm certified to go on a missions trip, but I never went, and that was for the China trip. And, I, and I'm and i not going to lie, Lydia Lee's like, I'm a little scared because <laughs> I hear so many stories. Like, mm-hmm. I know people personally, like, recently they went to Guatemala right after the, the volcano had erupted, mm-hmm. and what they saw over there was, like, life-changing, and it was, like drastic you know because they were actually helping like people they were like digging and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and i'm like oh my goodness like am i ready for this am i am i am i equipped to to confront the world you'll never know unless you do it i don't think you've ever you'll ever get to a point where you're ready because that'd be cheating if you were if you were constantly living at a state of mind where you're not going to do something until you feel ready, until you know you're ready, you're never going to do anything mm-hmm. because you're never actually going to be completely 100% ready. You just have to leap. Like, we talk about faith, but we need to have faith. Like, yeah. we need to truly have faith that if God's calling you, if God's putting, like, that burden in your heart, that stir in your heart, you need to have faith and you need to just take a leap. Ooh. Girl, take a leap. I know. Take a leap. I have to. Yeah, I jump. have to go. Yeah, I I think, and I've I've seen so many people recently too, and 
they're like, oh, have you ever gone on a missus trip? And I'm like, no. What? Like, they cannot believe it. I'm like, no, I've never gone. Like, Mm -hmm. I would love to go with Anthony so that we're both going through the same experience. Because I feel like if I were to go and then I come back, you know, and he didn't go, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It'd be like a weird transition back or something like that. Like, I... Like, my goal is to go together mm-hmm. so that we can experience the same thing, come back together, and then see where God leads from there. But at the same time, like, even if you both go, you'll both get a different take on it. it. Absolutely. You'll both get a different take on it. So, so also keep that in mind. Yes. So I I guess I just have to figure out what's what's next. Where, where are people going, especially, mm-hmm. like, with my church and stuff? And I just got to go. You know, it's crazy because I was actually talking to a woman the other day. She was telling me about how um, she was telling her niece to go to college because her niece was um, very not very social, very shy, and she'd always be in her room. And she was telling her niece that she needed to go to college and that she needed to get it together and she just needed to have faith in the Lord. And then a few minutes later, I talked to her about missions and I'm like, okay, I'm like, have you ever been on a missions trip? And she's like, no. So like, I've always been like very scared. Like airplanes have scared me. Like um, airplanes just like the thought of airplanes, the thought of flying um, scares me. And I'm like, but you're telling your niece to take that leap. Mm-hmm. And I feel like God is trying to tell you that you should probably take a leap on him too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just that moment of, I think it's conviction. Yeah. I think when you feel convicted, Oof, you need to be careful because once you feel that, like you need to, you need to go. You yeah. need to be obedient. That's God warning you. That's God warning you. Be obedient. Amen. Be obedient. Okay. Well, yeah. let's see. Yeah. We'll see. And I'll do another episode and be like, guys, I just came back from South America. <laughs> Amen. I received, I declare that and yes. I receive that. All right. So let's, um, to wrap this up, let's go ahead and talk about life and grace. Yes. Life and grace apparel. <laughs> So I recently started a clothing line, an apparel line. Um, it's everything is handmade, hand painted, um, hand sewn from Ecuador. Um, I have local business owners make it over there. Some of them are my designs, and they bring it back here, and I sell it. And people nice. like so far the 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 responses the response. mm. have been pretty good. Have been pretty good. I'm very excited. We have purses, we have um, straw purses, we have pants, we have, right now we have scarves, now we have leather bags, um, they're embroidered, everything is very beautiful. It's very hard selling cute stuff, because I'm like, tempted to keep it all, mm-hmm. but I really, like, Life and Grace is, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful ministry. That's awesome. So, what would someone need to do in order to purchase a bag? Okay, so you look up Life and Grace on Instagram. Right now we're an Instagram shop until the website is um, put up. I'm declaring in Jesus' name that we're going to have a website soon so you guys can click in, um, buy whatever you want without the whole entire hassle. Mm -hmm. Um, But right now we are an Instagram shop, so you go to Life and Grace um, and you pick out one of the stuff from the feed and then you DM me about it and you can pay through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, and yeah, it's yours. Nice. I'm so excited for that. Lydia Lise, thank you so much for joining me at the table today. Um, make sure to follow Lydia Lise on Instagram at mylifeandhisgrace to get in on the scoop of her college admissions journey. Um, she also has a link in her bio in which you can always contribute and support her missions trips and ministry. Also, go follow her apparel and accessory page on Instagram at lifeandgrace 
where each and every purchase you make helps kids with cancer and families in crisis find shelter. Miguelis, thank you for joining me at the table. I love you. I I miss you. I'm so excited for what God has in store for your life. I haven't seen you in a few years. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, But I'm so, like, I love you guys. I love your family. And we are continuing with the prayers so that God can just continue open doors for your life. I'm, like, rooting in your corner. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) I may not see you on a day-to-day basis, but I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, I was her teacher. (laughs) You were my teacher. That's my girl. You know, she's doing big things. So... Um, I'm just very proud of you, okay? I'm proud of you, and I, I really declare and I pray that Benevolence Podcast grows, mm-hmm. expands, like your vision and your ministry. This is a ministry in yes, itself. Yes, it is. And I'm very, very proud of you. Thank you. Love you. Love you too, baby. <laughs> and thank you all for tuning in to Benevolence, where kindness matters and all are welcome to the table. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Benevolence Podcast or at I am Ceci Diaz to know a little bit more about me and Benevolence. Benevolence Podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Stitcher app. And finally, if there is a topic that you would like to discuss in the future, please do not hesitate to email me at benevolencepodcast at gmail.com with requests, petitions, or comments. I want to hear from you. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode of Benevolence. You don't want to miss it. Bye.